you have your Bibles, turn there with me to Psalm 8, and we will be exploring that psalm together this evening. And before we read it and hear God's Word, let's take a moment to pray and ask His blessing upon the reading and hearing of it. Let's pray together. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your holy word. We thank you that it was not penned by men on the basis of their own opinion, but by those who were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It indeed is your breathed out word. It's profitable to us for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in the way of righteousness, equipping us for every good work. So we ask now that as we hear it read and preached, that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to behold the wonderful things in it. For the sake of your glory and the sake of our joy, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 8, to the choir master, according to the Gittith, a psalm of David. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas." O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen. This is God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word to us this evening. I wonder when the last time it was that you encountered greatness. When you stood face to face with someone who was truly excellent in their field. I mean, at the very pinnacle of whatever it is that they do, or you stood on the cusp of nature and you just beheld the, the grandeur of it all, the, the, the true beauty of it, and your own finitude and your own smallness in light of the glory of the ocean, the expanse of it all, or the, the majesty of the mountains that have remained the same and looked the same way and stood in the same place firm against all of the storms that have come up against them for thousands and thousands of years. And you just stood there and beheld that. Or you stood at, at, in front of an, an incredible piece of architecture where just the, 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 the mind and the creativity and the engineering behind all of that just left you awestruck. I remember being in Toronto one time and standing at the, at the base of the Canadian National Tower. It's the, the tallest freestanding tower 
in the world, and I just looked up at it, and I literally fell over because it just knocked me over. It was so grand and so huge compared to my own size. See, when you behold the glory and the majesty and the grandeur of something, you don't have to be told that it's glorious. You know that. You can tell. You, you discover it on, on the basis of, of just what it is that you're taking in. Only blindness would prevent you from beholding that. Only ignorance or, or pride of the highest order would keep you from being able to take in the, the glory and the majesty of a thing. But everything that I have just mentioned is something that is created. A person and their intellect and their skill and their ability and their, their, their acumen is something that is a gift of God to them. The, the mountains and the, the sea were all created out of nothing by the Word of God's very own power. The architecture that you see and that just takes your breath away was created by the hands of men that God created and endowed with the skills and the abilities and the creativity that in some respect, in some, in some minuscule way, reflect His very own glory. And so when you come to a a passage like this, what you discover is that it's not merely just the created things that are glorious, but they're meant to, to, to point us to someone greater than themselves. They're meant to point us to the Lord, who is majestic in all the earth. You see, the beginning and the end of this psalm framed by the very same words, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. And wouldn't it be a beautiful thing for Christ's covenant and for you personally, for our church, and for you as a follower of Christ, for your whole life to be framed by the true glory and majesty of who God is in 2023 and going forward beyond that if He tarries. That's what we long to see in our own lives. That's what every church that truly longs to, to be anchored in all that Jesus Christ is for them in the gospel, longs to behold the glory of God, the beauty of God, the majesty, the infinite worth, the holiness, the, the deep, deep love of Jesus that is vast, unmeasured, and boundless, and free. That's what we want to behold, displaying the glory of God, and we want to reflect his glory in our lives. When was the last time that you stopped long enough and turned off the noise long enough to just bask in the gloriousness of who God is? That, that, you, that you took pause to just savor and marinate in God's transcendence, in His infinite, in, in, His, in, in the deep mercies that God has bestowed upon your life. 
in the ways in which he, it, there's, there's not a, a molecule, there's not a speck of dust, there's not an event, there's not a single thing that happens in all of life that happens outside of his sovereign care and wisdom. That, that nothing is just spinning off into chaos. That, he, that he's ordered it and he's got it all under his control. That all of his enemies are under his feet. When was the last time you just took that in and let that just marinate for a while? This, this psalm compels us to do that. It compels us to behold the glory of God and, and to, to see life as, as shaped and truly framed from beginning to end in all that God is and His glory. And so the question that you need to reckon with tonight and that I need to be concerned with is what is it that you and I need to personally know about the glory of God in order to truly enjoy Him? What what does David know? What, What has become more than just intellectual assent, but a, but, a, but a personal knowledge to him that, that's on the, on the tip of his tongue, that's, that's flowing through his veins? What is it that he knows existentially about the glory of God? We, we see a number of things in this passage. I just want to point out three of them to you. And here's the first point that David seems to, to grasp and that he wants for us to grasp, and it's this. It's that God is glorious because of His ironic strength. He has an an ironic strength here. Look at verses… verse 2. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. That's not what you would expect David to write. Out of the mouths of infants and have you ever have you ever held a baby? I mean, I remember the first time I held my my firstborn child. I felt like I was going to break her. I mean, just just so so small, so fragile, so powerless, so so entirely d- dependent. I mean, you think of animals, many animals, they're, they're born, and they're, they're born, and they're almost immediately kind of stumbling around walking. People aren't like that, are they? Infants and babies, I mean, it takes, it takes them several months, a year, maybe even a little bit longer than that to walk, to feed themselves, to dress themselves, to use the restroom, to, to, to have any degree of independence at, at, at all. Maybe you have teenagers, and you're wondering if you're ever going to get out of that phase. But it's, it's just there's always there's some measure of, of, inde- of, of dependence going on for years and years and years to come, and you see the weakness and the fragility. And then even as an adult, you grow older and older, and you see your own, your own weakness. You become more acutely aware of all of that. And what David says here that it's not out of the mouths of the, the strong, the powerful, the brilliant, the beautiful, the, 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 the savvy. It's, it's, not, it's not only out of that crew that God is, is glorified and that strength is established. It's out of, it's out of the mouths of the the weakest and the most dependent 
That's, that's what David is, is trying to get us to see is that even in our own weakness, our own posture of need and dependence, that we might have that faith of a child, the faith of an infant and a baby that is an in, entirely dependent upon all that God is for us. Nothing in our hands we bring. Simply to His cross we cling. And it's not a childish faith, it's a childlike faith that we go to the Lord with, that we come to Him needy, we come to Him dependent, we come to Him out of our own weakness, knowing that His power is made perfect in our weakness because He is glorious in all things. You know, you look around and you see, you see that nations rise and fall, and yet the, the church and His people, they roll on forever and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why is that? Because his, his power is put on display through weakness, through our own weakness. Even through the mouths of infants and babies, he chooses them. It's out of that weakness, which is paralleled by them, that we find our greatest delight in God. And he is the one that displays his glory, not through what we bring to the table, but despite our own weakness and despite our own sin and despite our own failures, He brings them through this. And doesn't even Jesus display the power of God in a place of weakness? I mean, did, haven't we just been reflecting upon this even in this, own, in, in this particular season where we, where we stop for a moment, and we, and we consider the incarnation of Jesus Christ, Him, him coming in the flesh, being born in this, in this filthy, you know, just two-star manger off the side somewhere, born to a young girl, born in a manger in a stinky place, taking on the frailties of human flesh, feeling physical pain, being insulted, being misunderstood, having insults hurled at Him, being tempted just as you and I are, yet without sin, being someone who's tired and needs to to sleep, being someone who's hungry and needs to eat, being someone who's thirsty and needs to drink, being someone who has basic human needs, needs to use the bathroom, needs to to wash himself, needs to to clothe himself, all of the basic weaknesses that you and I have, he comes in the flesh and dwells among us, and he's made nothing taking the very form of a servant, and yet He is exalted to the highest place. He conquers sin and death. When He's crucified, He rises again. He ascends to the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He ever lives to intercede for us. He intercedes with moans, that words, words that you cannot express. You don't even know how you're feeling. You don't even know what's totally going on inside, but He's able to pray before you because He has the power to know what's going on in your life, what you need, and He intercedes where all you are is just a mumbling doofus. And He's able to pray the prayer that you would pray if you knew what He knew. 
That's, that's the beauty of this God who has come for us as an infant, as a baby. And it's His glory, it's His strength. And, and you know, we, we feel like the forces of evil in our lives are so much greater than the power of God. It is very easy to feel that way, and it's very understandable, because when you feel the pain in your body, or you experience the heartbreak of a fractured relationship, or you are maligned or mistreated, or you're, you're, you're just suffering in some capacity that just that just pummels you to the dregs. You, you know something of the power of that, and it seems like all of this uh, establishment of strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger, that seems like a pipe dream. That seems like someone who's just gone to some... some youth retreat and sang a bunch of kumbayas and got some kind of mountaintop experience with Jesus, decided that they were going to sing. But the fact of the matter is, is that this is your reality. That though it feels like the world is, atta- is, is, is going to just utterly destroy the, the church, when it feels like your circumstances are utterly going to take you down, when it feels like you're, you know, you're, you're, the, the, the conflict that you've had in your, in your marriage or amongst your children is just the same thing that you've been having since, like, Eisenhower. And it just keeps going and going and going. The, the fact of the matter is that God's strength is greater. God's strength is established he cannot be moved. He is majestic in all the earth, and it's ironic that he works out his strength and weakness. Second thing I want us to see is this, is that God is glorious because of his greatness. God is glorious because of his greatness. In verse 3, you see that, the, that David says that when he looks to the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? I mean, look at the heavens. Have you ever been out into the boonies and just cast your gaze up to the, to the sky on a clear, dry evening and beheld all the stars? It's, it's a sight to see. You, you realize the grandeur of God. You know, light speed, you know, light speed is 186,000 miles per second. 186,000 miles per second. It, it would take eight minutes to go from here to the sun at light speed. And then to cross the Milky Way galaxy at 186,000 miles per second, it would take 100,000 years and then to, tr- to transcend the, the universe as scientists know it today, who's to say what they will know years down the road? But as they know it today, it would take 20 billion light years to transcend the universe as we know it today. And God created all of that. 
He is great in every way, and it all belongs to Him. Think about that when, you, when, you, when those feelings of despondency just, just drive you, when you just feel like the ceiling is getting lower and lower and lower on you. And, and you just feel like it, you're just going to be taken down in every manifestation, like the world is falling apart. You, you turn on, you turn on, you're one of the four people that, in, in America that turns on CNN or, 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 or you turn on Fox News, you listen to, to, to whatever it is that you listen to, and it's the world's falling. That, what's the news? The news is that the world's falling apart, and it's the Republicans' fault or it's the Democrats' fault, or it's their, the, those people's fault. Or it's that, the, the, I mean, you know, it's everybody. It's just finger-pointing and everything's falling apart. That's what the news is. That's, you don't need to turn it on. I just told it to you. Saved you a lot of time. Everything's falling apart, and that's what it feels like. Look up to the stars instead. If he, the, the God who created it all, who put each one in its place, who put the sun at, and the earth at, at just the perfect distance so we don't you know, get obliterated and, and, and fry into to, to a place of nothingness, or we don't freeze into it and, and, become, and become a block of ice. He, he's, he's placed it at a perfect distance, and He keeps it there, and He puts everything into place, and He puts all the world into place. And yes, it's full of sin, and yes, it's full of, of, of injustice and wickedness and filth and, and all of that, and all of that is true, but, but being a person who's anchored into Christ and knowing that the, the the, the injustices and the wickedness and the brokenness and, and the confusion of the world and of your own life doesn't have the final word on your life, but that God's glory and God's majesty does, that's what propels you and gives you the fuel and the grace and the power to navigate forward in a world and in a flesh and in a, in a soul that is that is, that is just so decayed and so broken and so sinful and so weak. All of it's under His power. All of it's under His power. You look here in verses 5 through 8, you, say, you see that God has given Him dominion, there's dominion over the works of His hands. And all things are under his feet, all the sheep and the oxen and the beasts of his field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. It's, it's taking us back to Genesis chapter 1, right? I mean, that, those are echoes of the creation story. And you go back to Genesis chapter 1, you see that God's created all this. He didn't create all of it and then leave it to, be, to, to just descend into utter chaos, no, he's got it all under his sovereign care. He works all things according to the purpose of his will. All things, are, and, and guess what for you in Christ that means? He works all things for the good of those who've been called according to his purpose, even when it doesn't feel like it. Because it doesn't feel like God's working a lot of things to your good. Be honest, it doesn't feel like that all the time. 
it's when, th- when that is what's going on in your life, you need to take the, what feels like the greater truth and read that into what is actually the truth, which is that God works it all for your good, for all who have been called according to His purpose. And here's the third and final thing that we need to see. God is not only glorious because of His greatness, but He's also glorious because of His goodness. Isn't that what the, the Muslims say? They say, you know, God is great. Our Muslim friends say God is great. They affirm that, but they, it's very hard for them to affirm that God is good. You have a good Father. You have a good and compassionate and gracious God. See, the, the, the same God, the same God who, who's so transcendent and, and so holy, 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 so, so reigning and ruling over all things, sitting on the throne, creating all things, it, it can seem like there's just such a like the distance, the, the gap is so huge that why in, why in the world would he, would he give a flying rip about anything going on in your life? Why, why, does, why would he care about your sufferings? Why, why would he care about this, this, you know, something going on in your life that is... It's a rock in your shoe. It's not something that's absolutely destroying everything about you, but, but you feel like this rock in your shoe. You know what that's like. Like, it's just this annoying little thing that just kind of keeps nagging at you, and you can still function, but it's still there. Why would God care about the rock in your shoe? What is man that you are mindful of him? I, I mean, the, David doesn't just given an answer to that. He just knows that it's true that God is mindful of him despite the fact that he's just holy above all things, that he's transcendent above all things. That's just hard to even imagine. Have you ever tried to make a dermatologist appointment? I mean, for goodness sake, call the dermatologist, try to get in, and and six months, you'll be six feet under by the time you get in there for goodness sakes. I mean, it takes forever to get in. Or you call and, and then you, you call somebody and you, get, you call the dermatologist who's going to make you wait six months to get in, but you get put on hold and, and, and you hear this recording that your call is very important to us. And, you know, and then 45 minutes later, you're still on. You're still, your call is very, you've heard it, you've heard it 30 times, just over and over and over. Yeah, it is so important. And then the person, answer, an actual live human being answers the call, and then they mispronounce your name. You are just, you are so important to them, right? You get mail with your name spelled incorrectly on it. You're not important to, to everybody in the world. Your problems aren't important to all of them. Your, your weaknesses, your sins, not, it's not important to everybody. To, to God, what, that rock in your shoe, he is the, the one who established the stars, who, who, who created that, 
that hole in the, the bottom of the sea, that, the, the Marianas Trench goes like 36,000 feet down into the crevices of the earth where it is pitch black for 10, 10 20, 30,000 feet. And there's creatures down there that no one's ever seen. He's so majestic. He's created all that. He's mindful of you. He is mindful of you to the greatest and to the least. Doesn't that just remind you of Romans chapter 8? That neither death nor life nor angels nor de- nothing in all of life will be able to separate you from his love. That's how much he loves you. That, that despite all that, he loves you. He's, he's, he's zeroed in upon your, your soul and your life. He holds everything in check. And he's zeroed in on your life. What is man that you are mindful of him? What a great question. What a great question he asks. See, people struggle with that. They, they struggle with the fact that if God is, when they, look at the, when they look at the brokenness of the world, when they look at the decay of the world, when they see the, the, the junk in their own life, they say, well, God, God must be, maybe God's powerful, but he's not good. You know, he, he's powerful, he's above all, but he doesn't really care. He's not good. He's in, you know, my, I'm suffering and he is, he, he's, he's in Hawaii enjoying warm weather, and the, he, he's got a fruity drink with an umbrella in it, and he doesn't care about any of the stuff going on. He, he's powerful enough to do something about it, but he doesn't care because he's, he's doing his own thing. Or they say God is good, but he's not powerful. God wants to be able to, 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 to love me, to... to to care for me, to attend to me. He wants to love me. He, he, he wants to care about the rock in my shoe, but, but he's not able to do that. He's not able to. He's not, he lacks the power. No, what you discover in Psalm 8 and what you discover in Genesis chapter 1 all the way to Revelation is that God is both great and he's good. He's powerful and he's loving. And he's your God for all that rests in him. See, to know the forgiveness and the righteousness and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ means that when you are suffering, when your body is ridden with cancer, you don't lose your battle with it, you win it. Because Jesus has claimed you for his own. He's already reigning and ruling, but he's also mindful of you, and he promises that one day you and I will reign as joint heirs with him as well. And so my prayer for you and my prayer for myself is that the glory of God would do in us what the glory of anything would do. It would would cause us to just stand in awe of him. What you need more than anything else, what the church needs more than anything else, is to stand in awe of a beautiful, gracious, glorious God and behold Him.
And as you behold Him, it changes your affections. He changes your affections. It changes your desires. changes what you love. You begin to love the things that God loves and hate the, hate the things that God hates. And you begin to walk in His ways, and your life begins to reflect Him because you see that He is more beautiful than all of the other created things which tell you of a sack of lies that that is what you ought to be grounded in and anchored to. Because you beheld the glory of God, you know Him. It's like an athlete when, 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 uh, when the pocket begins to close on you as a, as a quarterback. You, you know what to do because you be, you've you practiced it enough. You be, and, and as a follower of Christ, as someone who's beheld the glory of God, you beheld His glory enough that you know what to do when the pocket collapses when the storms and the winds and the waves come, when the world seems to be going to pot. You see Him for who He truly is. It leads you to a place of self-forgetfulness, to humility, to an awestruck wonder, love, and praise. May it be so in your life, in my life, in Christ's covenant church, now and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank You for Your Word. Impress it upon our hearts tonight, this week, and as we live in all of the joys and triumphs and sorrows and heartaches of life. Work out Your Word in us for the sake of Your glory, for the sake of our joy. We pray it in the name of Him came such a distance for us, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.